The Hawks went sleepwalking in Memphis. They established their tempo and, you know, pretty much executed that. And they totally uh, controlled this game from start to finish. Welcome into the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Daniel Salerson. You'll hear from AJC Hawks beat reporter Lauren Williams in just a few moments. Coming up on the podcast, Lauren will take you through this past week of Hawks basketball and how this team can bounce back after a tough couple of weeks. This is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The Hawks lost to the Memphis Grizzlies on Monday night 128-103, dropping their record to 14-14. Atlanta was without four starters and were coming off an overtime win the night before. When you're that shorthanded, this is what happens sometimes, says head coach Nate McMillan. You're going to have injuries and guys are going to have opportunities to step up. And, uh, you know, tonight, you know, they were just faster, stronger, better tonight, you know, out there. Uh, injuries are a part of it. This league is unforgiving. And uh, they did what you need to do when a team is coming in limping. The lone starter who played was DeAndre Hunter, leading the team with 19 points. This was Hunter's second game back since missing four games with a hip injury. So good. I got some shots that went down early. But like you said, it was just more so just trying to get back in game shape. I was a little tired out there, but uh, overall I felt pretty good. Hey, Lauren, with the Hawks being shorthanded, did we learn anything about the depth of this team? You know, Danielle, I hate to say this, but it kind of seems to me that the Hawks have a little bit of a depth problem right now. The Hawks bench puts up one of the fewest points per games in the league, which is not something that you necessarily want to see. Obviously, that means that the starters put up a lot of points, which therefore creates a situation where you don't need the bench to be a high-scoring unit. But on a night like tonight, when you don't have four of your five starters, and that means five of your six top scorers in the rotation, it's kind of a problem when you can't score points. So... Right now, that's something that the Hawks will have to figure out how to. Atlanta continues a three-game road trip on Wednesday in Orlando against the Magic. Tip-off is set for 7 p.m. Don't forget to check out the Hawks after the game pages in the AJC e-paper and online at AJC.com, which is only available if you subscribe at subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. Okay, Lauren, take it away. All right. Thank you, Daniel, for that awesome recap of Monday's game against the Grizzlies. Of course, I'm here now uh, recording before Monday's game, so I don't know how everything has turned out yet, but we still have a lot to talk about since we last chatted with you. Of course, the last time we talked, there was a bit of drama with the Hawks going on, but it seems like they're ready to turn the page. At last Monday's press conference before the game, Nate McMillan made a statement and adamantly 
just denied ever telling Trey Young not to come to the arena, which was really, really good for him to come out and just put everything on the table. So, you know, McMillan adamantly denied that he ever told Trey to not come to the arena Friday against the Nuggets. And I think it was really great for him to come out and just say what went down. It seems like this team has turned the page. He addressed everything with the team. He addressed it with Trey. Sounds like they had multiple meetings to clear things up. And now here we are. Of course, there's still a lot of up and down going on with this team. They're four and seven in their last 11 games with the most recent win coming on Sunday night against the Chicago Bulls in overtime. Now, I think the big theme of today's show will be wondering if the Hawks can turn things around. I mean, a couple weeks ago, they were fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Before their win to the Bulls on Sunday, they had fallen out of the top six. The win uh, over the Bulls on Sunday put them back in the top six. But that bunch of teams is so close between Philadelphia and the Pacers, as well as the Hawks. So, Of course, we'd love to see the Hawks kind of create some separation, especially since this Eastern Conference is so competitive. So I think this is going to be a really important stretch for this team. I mean, all of these stretches at this point, now that they're one game above 500, is important. But particularly getting into that rhythm after a huge win over the Bulls on Sunday night, I think they got to take this momentum and run with it. So Daniel... Are you at all disappointed with what we've seen from the Hawks in this last 11-game stretch? Yeah, I am. I feel like because before the injuries, before the drama, I think the record could have been better than what it showed. There's some games that got away in the fourth quarter, some leads that were blown, some games that they just came up short in the fourth quarter, and I thought that was going to happen again on Sunday against the Bulls, and they luckily got out of it with a clutch shot by A.J. Griffin. But yeah, I think... This could have all been avoided if they played a little bit better during that stretch. It, remember, there was that inconsistency starting November 7th. They were alternating wins and losses, and so they really couldn't get a streak going. So they were hovering around that 500 mark and not really putting a winning streak together. And then the injuries happened, and you're wondering, uh-oh, what's going to happen with this team because we just haven't seen the depth that we thought this team had um, at the beginning of the season. So when, when guys go out, it's who's gonna, who's gonna replace these guys and who's gonna step up. You're starting to see that with AJ Griffin, they feel like you do have someone solid in him. Uh, Bogey besides his, his, you know, his debut, uh, after that, he's been shooting been solid. He's been very good shooting very well from beyond the arc. And, um, besides the, the foul on DeMar DeRozan, which I'm sure we'll get to, um, he's been playing some pretty good <laughs> basketball as of late. So it's been disappointing, but I feel like the last two games, not counting Monday against the Grizzlies when you're talking about the Nets and when you're talking about the Bulls. Even though you're 1-1, one one, um, we talked about it on the after-the-game report, there was plenty of positives to take away from that Brooklyn game. You really saw that maybe those meetings worked, and they were like, all right, right, let's we have the talent still to get things going. Let, let's play some better basketball, and they, they certainly did, and they pulled out the win against Chicago, and, and maybe they can as our kind of theme of this podcast is can they turn things around. Uh, we'll certainly see, at least to getting DeAndre Hunter back, certainly a step in the right direction. Absolutely. And I think just to kind of add a little bit to that, what concerns me a little bit about this team is that I don't think we really have a sense of what this team is. Are they the team that will 
fight like they did in these past two games against the Nets and the Bulls? Or are they a team that's going to kind of roll over like they did against the Thunder and the Knicks? So I think it's just really important that, you know, they kind of start to solidify what their identity is uh, just because we want their identity to be something that's consistent, not something that's we never know what we're going to get on a nightly basis. And so Nate McMillan said it himself. One of the big things that this team really, really needs to buckle down on is finishing games. And so here he is kind of talking about that following their loss on Friday night to the Brooklyn Nets. Tonight was about us finishing. And, uh, you know, we have to learn to finish games, get stops, and then make shots, you know, the last five minutes of a game when it's close like this. So, yeah, so they know what they need to do. It's now a matter of executing it. And I think, you know, against the Bulls on Sunday night, that was probably the closest we've seen in a really long time to what this team can do when they buckle down and finish games the right way. I mean, that game against the Bulls was just absolutely wild. The fact that it came down to point five seconds. It was just, the game was drunk, (laughs) (laughs) if I'm being honest, because there are so many times on Sunday night sitting in the press box that I just had no idea which way. I I think I deleted so many paragraphs (laughs) in the span of two minutes just because I was like, okay, they've got this in the bag. All right, cool. Let me start going with this, this direction, yada, yada, yada. And then it would flip the other way. The bulls would come back and then you just kind of have to delete, delete, delete. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, it looks like this is going to be another loss for them. And then it flipped and it was just a lot of flipping and flopping. And I think the fact that they were able to really pull it off in overtime, the Hawks are now three and O in overtime says that this team has so much more potential than this record has indicated as you, you know, touched on just a few minutes ago. I think the big thing for them is, again, and Nate mentioned it in that in the clips uh, after the the loss to Brooklyn on Friday night, is that they have to understand time score situation. They have to understand their personnel. They have to understand or show more focus in understanding who their opponent is. So I think one of the huge turning points that kind of sucked the momentum out of uh, Sunday's win a little bit is you know, you never want it to come down to 0.5 seconds. I think, and you you mentioned it again, it's that it's that foul on DeMar DeRozan in those final, what was it, like three, five, or, or, or two seconds of the game, one second of the game, excuse me, um, that sent him to the line for three free throws. And, and Nate kind of said it himself, you know, you never want to be in a situation where, You're contesting that shot so closely. You want to make it difficult. You want to challenge him, but you never want to make it or get to the point where you're being physical. And so I give Bogey just a tiny bit of slack, just the smallest amount, just because that was only, what, game five for him? So he's on a little bit of a, a different path, so to speak, of getting back into basketball shape. Uh, remembering and and finding those kind of like that muscle memory of what to do in those clutch situations. But 
I mean, that sucks the air out of things, especially after Trey Young hit that uh, pull-up mid-range shot that put them up one with, what was it, like one second left on the mm-hmm. clock? I think at that point, a lot of people in, in the arena had started to leave because they're like, one second? All right, that's it. That's done. The Hawks got it. And so what I, I think is interesting is that, we, again, we continue to see this team fight. And now I think the way that we see them continue to turn the page on this horrible stretch of games over the last 11 is just being that team that wants to outscrap everyone every single night. And that's something that Nate McMillan has wanted this team to do this entire season. So maybe this is the time that things are starting to click. Who knows? But it's only been one game, so it's hard to really say, like, things have clicked. For you, Daniel, what what would be the ideal step forward for this Hawks team to make sure that they absolutely turn the page on this really not great 11 stretch or 11 game stretch. I think you start with taking it, I would say game by game, but win the week, finish Mm -hmm. two and one this week. I know Monday's game that we already discussed, it's a tough one back to back against Memphis, who's the second seed in the Western Conference. But then mm-hmm. I believe after I have my schedule's right, you're going to Orlando, correct? Mm-hmm. On Wednesday. That's correct. Then and Charlotte. so that should be, hopefully, you take care of business there. But again, you can't mm-hmm. assume anything. It's the NBA, and we've seen crazy things happen this year. Mm-hmm. And so for me to see the growth, it's it's win the week, whether it's, or even mm-hmm. if you stay afloat right now, look, it's, it's such a tough situation because we do want to see the growth, but you still have to keep in mind DeJounte Murray's out for two weeks, maybe in a week and a half now, and John Collins is still out. And so you're mm-hmm. missing two starters that are, are really impactful starters. So who are going to be the ones that continue to step up? I thought Trey Young said it best after Sunday's win when someone asked him about just kind of getting the monkey off the back and getting the win. He said, we can't just settle for one win and be excited and move on. We have to start stringing some mm-hmm. wins together. And, and moving forward, can't accept that, okay, we just we snapped a losing streak with a win, and then we go back playing the way we did. So I think it's going to be interesting how they respond this entire week, but I do like hearing that from your leader and just mm-hmm. saying that we all have to be better and we all have to continue to, to work because it, the more you, you know, you talked about how everyone's so clumped together, the margin of error, if you go on another losing streak, is pretty slim. You could mm-hmm. dip down into that 8, 9, 10 range and then find yourself finding it harder and harder to work your way back up because of how competitive it is. Mm-hmm. It's not where you have a little bit of a, a cushion. You had your cushion a little bit at the beginning, and but now you're slowly starting to see that cushion disappear. And so for the Hawks, mm-hmm. it's taking care of business at home. It's winning the games on the road that you should be able to win. And that's where mm-hmm. I'll kind of feel better about seeing some growth uh, for, for this Hawks team. I think the other thing for me is making sure that they're, and you, you you touched on it just a little bit, but making sure they're not looking over or overlooking any opponents. I think, and Clint Capella had a really good answer when I asked him about this following that, that loss to the Thunder. I think that's when we talked to him last. Everything's blending together. I, <laughs> I can't remember. But I asked if this this team has a tendency to overlook opponents that on paper they should beat. And, he, you know, he said, yes, especially in the second half. And so, you know, they come out of the gate. They play the way that they're supposed to. The, they play the way that they're expected to. And then they come back after the second half and you're like, what team is this? 
this doesn't look like, you know, they, they turn over the ball as an, you know, Nate McMillan's favorite phrase. They don't establish their defense and the other team is able to capitalize on that and make the right adjustments. So for me, I would love to see this team be able to make the adjustments in real time and, you know, make sure that they don't let teams go on those incredibly long runs that just suck any rhythm out of their offense, especially because this team for, you know, much of this, the season has struggled from the three point line. Fortunately, they have Bogdan Bogdanovich back, but you can't have him be the only option uh, from deep, especially because as of late, AJ Griffin has been struggling a little bit. We've seen that Trey Young still hasn't really found his shot quite yet. I mean, He's been able to hit some, but I remember um, someone posted a stat uh, at the beginning of last night's game, Sunday night's game, that he was seven of 44 from three. And so, you know, he's not quite where we have gotten used to seeing him. DeAndre Hunter, you know, he's coming back from an injury, so he's still a little shaky as far as knocking shots down from three, even if, you know, even when John Collins comes back, he's also been struggling from deep. And so this just isn't a team that's been the strongest when it comes to shooting. And so because they don't have that luxury of relying on the three ball, they really do have to be that team that's the scrappiest on the defensive end and making sure that teams don't, or their opponents don't go on those long runs. So, you know, that's kind of where I want to see them turn the corner is just consistently being scrappy. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Mm -hmm. because this team lacks a three-point shooting, you have to counter that with something else, and that's the defense of this team. And so what we're seeing in this league is if you are not hitting threes and your defense Mm -hmm. is pretty poor, then you're not going to be a successful team because people are living and dying by the three. It's just the nature of the NBA now. Teams are taking Mm -hmm. 40, 50 threes a night, and whether they you know, make 30% of them, they're still making 15 threes. And so um, I think you're spot on. And I think Trey, again, he's putting up his, he's getting his numbers. He had 19 and 14 against the Mm -hmm. Bulls, but he was four for 16 from the field. And he's getting Mm -hmm. to the free throw line, which he's really good at. But at some point you're going to need the Trey of old to get out there and start Mm -hmm. knocking down some threes. And so he still, I mean, he hit that clutch shot um, with a second to go. So it's not like you're not seeing the tray of old, but you would like to see him be a little more consistent. So I think I completely agree. If this Mm -hmm. team is not able to shoot threes on certain nights, the the defense has to be there to step up. Absolutely. This is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just wanted to take this time to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. 
Now, if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. And your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. Okay. So this week we don't have a mailbag. There's just been a lot going on with the Hawks being on a back-to-back. So we're just going to continue talking about how this team can continue to turn the corner. We've already talked about wanting to see them be consistent. We've wanted to see them make sure that they're locking in on defense, especially on nights when the three ball isn't falling. And now what I would love to see them consistently do is push the pace and be aggressive. I think there are sometimes, especially when the offense isn't clicking, and Nate McMillan has said it himself too, it's like when the shots aren't falling, it's like guys hang their head and they get frustrated. And and, and that's not to say that you don't understand because that's human nature, but for this team, especially if they want to be a championship caliber team, they've just have they just have to continually have that killer instinct, right? And so I think if you're the team that's hanging your head because your shots aren't falling, that to me says that, you know, perhaps there needs to be some more tapping into that killer instinct. And I think the closest that we've seen it, seeing them do that is uh I can't even remember because they haven't really had many games where they've just, you know, put the pedal to the metal and and just really pounded their opponents. They haven't had many games where they've won by double digits. It looked like it on Sunday because they were holding a double digit lead with the Bulls and then just slowly Mm -hmm. deteriorated and and kind of then obviously went down to the very end. Um, But when you talk Mm -hmm. about the pace, I saw some of that against the Bulls a little bit. And I think mm-hmm. what advantage the Hawks have, and I think they need to utilize as much as they can, is how good Clint Capella is at running the floor. You have a big man that can run and can pick, continue with the pace that you have. There are a ton of teams that have bigs that just can't handle that. And so it's creating mm-hmm. a lot of alley-oops that we've seen successful from Trey or some of the other guys mm-hmm. to Clint. And it's, it's starting to become an advantage if you can take advantage. What I saw, it though, yeah. on Sunday is they were doing so still taking the ball out of the net. And so I think the key is we talk about defense is you got to mm-hmm. get some stops and consistently keep up with that pace as soon as you're getting the stop making a run. Because I think there was a stretch at the end of the fourth that the Hawks went, took the ball out of the net, went down, got a Clint Capella alley-oop. Bulls came right back down and mm-hmm. hit a reverse lay-in and kept the game tied. And I was just thinking, how did both teams just do that with the ball taken out of the net? Like, both didn't get back, yeah. but both were picking up the pace. So you, you can't just have one or the other. It's if you're going to keep the pace that you want to, or at least what we want to see, then you got to do it on both sides. Because if it doesn't, if it works on one way and you don't get mm-hmm. back on defense, then they're just going to, you know, counter what you're doing. And so I think that's got to be a key for the sense of urgency with this team to get stops. And then when they do push the pace and that's when you can get those mm-hmm. double digit leads and make those runs but you just haven't seen it a lot in the last week and maybe again it's you're missing some of that personnel no john collins is someone that can certainly benefit from fast break opportunities and that's where we mm-hmm. talk about his struggles on offense because it's a lot of half court offense and i don't think they've really been able to successfully do that well with Dejounte, trey and john all in the court at the same time so how do you take advantage mm-hmm. of that? You do it through the fast break, which you're able to do with Compella so much. So I think that's got to be a key for them as far as the defense. And you talk about the pace, I agree. But they got to get stops in mm-hmm. order for that pace to happen, I think. 
I also think a part of that is just knowing, and again, it goes back to knowing the personnel. I think one of the reasons why it kind of didn't work against the Bulls last night is they had a guy like Andre Drummond down. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that he's the fastest guy, but he's one of the biggest people I've ever seen in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, what is he, like 6'10", 2-something, like 200-something right. pounds? He long has strides. a lot of size on Capella. Yeah. Very long strides. And, I mean, last night he had five steals. Coming into the game, he was only averaging like 0.5. His career high is six. Mm. So against a guy like Andre Drummond, I, I, I don't necessarily think you want to be throwing things like those alley-oops just because of Correct. the length that he has and he can just swat it out of the air. Exactly. Um, so I think this team is just kind of understanding a little bit more about their, you know, who they're up against and, and utilizing the mismatches a lot more uh, effectively. I think we have seen some moments where they did that. I feel like against the Nets, I think that was kind of one of the closest we've seen to them really picking apart some of their matchups, especially like, you know, Kyrie Irving, you know, he's not exactly the type of guy who's known for his defense. So we saw them take advantage of some of those mismatches. um, And we'd love to see them do that more often. And I think maybe that's where some of that, youth comes in of just you know just not I guess maybe taking the time to read things effectively and uh that over aggression kind of bites them in the butt a little bit so it's it's knowing when to channel I guess their aggressiveness is what we would like to see them as well and and have that sense of urgency so yeah I just let me ask team you is this just interesting man it is mm-hmm. we at the beginning of the season we asked what this team's identity is yeah I don't think we still have it I don't think we no, found. No, absolutely not. So, with that being said, when you scout other teams, you kind of mm-hmm. have an idea of who they are, and not so yes. much whether what personnel is on the floor, but what kind of style they are. You know the teams mm-hmm. that are going to run. You know the teams that are going to shoot threes. You know the team that is going to hurry up, mm-hmm. take the ball in the net, and go. You also have teams mm-hmm. that want to make it a slugfest and make it a twenty-four second shot clock, play from the half court, and beat you with their mm-hmm. defense. I feel like when you play the Hawks, you don't know what you're going to get out of them sometimes i think that could be advantage because you don't but i also think that it's maybe easier to scout Mm -hmm. a little bit just because it's there's nothing really too thrilling about there's nothing too much that sticks out like we got to watch out for this tonight you know about trey yeah you're starting to figure out how you can do the best and right now you're just you're probably allowing him to shoot a little bit more you can test but you let him shoot because he is struggling but who else mm-hmm. do you have to worry about, I guess, is the thing. So if you do, like, you have to make others pay. And I feel like where there's no style yet or no identity mm-hmm. to this team, I think it's just easier to scout a little bit. So for me, maybe it, it is establishing that identity that we've been looking for since the beginning of the season and figuring out, are they going to be that team that runs yeah. and guns and uses their pace? Are they going to be a team that shoots a lot of threes and, and starts making them? Or are they going to be a team that, mm-hmm. I guess, it's just going to be matchup-based and they try to expose the weaknesses of the other teams in order to get the wins. I think that's just something that we have to see here once they get healthy and even mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks to figure out who they really are. For sure. And I think, you know, when you asked that question, it kind of jogged my memory a little bit as I'm thinking about some of the opposing coaches' pregame um, availabilities and what they say ahead of facing the Hawks. And obviously a lot of the time they talk about doubling Trey, cutting him off as an option. But A.J. Griffin is starting to pop up on some of those scouting reports a little bit more. And I think we're kind of seeing him figure that out in real time. I feel like we've seen his made or his his three-point percentage 
drop a little bit. I think we're also seeing him hesitate a little bit more on some of those catch and shoot threes. I think last night or Sunday night was probably the the best I've seen him in terms of not hesitating and just shooting the ball and kind of trying to find that confidence again. But before that, I, I think a lot of the time you would kind of see him do a pump fake and try and go inside or or, in, or, or something else like that or or give up a shot. Whereas now we're seeing him like get back into the habit of just taking it because he commands so much respect from three and he's one of this team's best shooters. And then obviously the other person that shows up on scouting reports is Clint. Teams talk so much about cutting him off um, as an option in, in the paint when it comes to rebounding, boxing him out and making sure he's not crashing the boards as we know he's capable of. And I think we're kind of seeing teams do that or opponents do that a little bit more is boxing Clint out, um, especially because we've seen the Hawks rebounding numbers drop a little bit more with John Collins out. I mean, who else on that team other than Jalen Johnson, but he has been a little bit inconsistent in terms of being that rebounding machine the Hawks need him to be. And then obviously they didn't have DeAndre Hunter for the past week up until Sunday. And it's not as if he's going out and getting you 10 rebounds every night, but at least he was getting you four, maybe five, sometimes six, which is still a good amount to add to that team rebounding stat line. And then obviously they don't have DeJounte Murray in the mix either. And he was an, another guy who, who would get a lot of rebounds for them. So, you know, I think when you think about this team's identity, the, especially with some of the injuries that have popped up, I mean, the three biggest factors have been Clint, AJ Griffin, and, and Trey Young. So I think as a team, it's, you know, you kind of need everybody else to step up to contribute to that so that everybody's considered a threat, not just a few guys, but yeah, I mean, when I look, when I think about teams like Milwaukee, I, I, I feel like, you know, from top to bottom, they have a lot of depth and they're a team that can shoot the ball. And so you have to be careful because you never know which option is going to be hot that night. I think of a team like Brooklyn, you know, KD, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to be obviously guys that you, you want to take the ball out of their hands, but they actually had some solid role players who yeah. really stepped up. I, I think of uh, TJ Warren, and he was just a dog on Friday night. And so they he was an option that the Hawks couldn't leave alone. You know, you just think you got to have a lot of, uh, of, of role players who know how to kind of fit into what you need them to do that night. And I, I feel like the Hawks are kind of starting to see somebody else emerge in Trent Forrest, who... Returned from a concussion protocol on Friday night and then has been has started. He made his first start of the season on Sunday night and he he was a huge factor or sorry. He returned on Wednesday night, played really well on Friday night and then played really well on on Sunday night. And so I feel like he's emerging as that guy that you think of as the role player who doesn't necessarily show up and make a ton of fancy plays, but he shows up the way you need him to. Um, before that, you had Jarrett Culver, who was, you know, emerging as a guy who who could crash the boards uh, for them. So I think that's kind of one of the things with the Hawks is that, yes, we thought that they would be a team that would have a lot more depth, but we haven't had these guys that you're like, oh my gosh, this role player is a so-and-so killer. Um, if you think about some of the other teams, they have guys that you are like, they're a Hawks killer or they're an X killer. So 
I think that's kind of what we need to see from this team as well in terms of how they continue to to shape that identity that will kind of make them what's the word I'm looking for um not instant threat but a perceived threat right now I I fear they're not considered a perceived threat for for a postseason run yeah I think some of that will be a factor to Jante Murray because I think what we thought at the beginning of the year was these opposing teams are going to try to figure out how do you stop both of these guys when mm-hmm. you have Trey and DeJounte, they both can shoot, but their facilitating mm-hmm. ability could put them as one of the best backcourts in the NBA. And I think chemistry has played a role, just not having enough time. And then once you felt mm-hmm. like maybe they were starting to figure things out, and that was kind of still slow. Somebody got hurt. Someone got hurt. I mean, Trey still missed some games, but DeJounte now mm-hmm. missing the two weeks, you just really haven't been able mm-hmm. to establish that. So you mentioned it with the three guys that they're kind of focusing on right now, Trey, AJ, and Clint. Well, one of the Hawks bread and butter is a, Trey Young and Clint Capella pick and roll. And mm-hmm. when you're taking Clint Capella out of it, you'll see a lot of times that Trey's getting stuck in the middle and has to settle for a floater. And a lot of times he's still making them and bailing them out. But there are times where it either causes a turnover where they get stuck in midair and have to throw mm-hmm. a bad pass, or he takes a highly contested shot that's contested by the big who was able to stay on him and while mm-hmm. others took out Clint. So I think it's just one of those things that you mentioned they're focusing on these main guys because they're daring the others to score. And you talk about Brooklyn. Well, when you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie, yeah, you may mm-hmm. be able to contain them. But then the key is you have to stop guys like Seth Curry, who can drain it. Joe Harris, mm-hmm. that can. Yep. Ben Simmons, when he's on, has still shown that there are signs that he can still play. And so exactly. I think that's what the Hawks thought they would have at the beginning of the year that they haven't yet. But I think still can have that once they get healthy. I think it's just... More mm-hmm. so of now, though we have to play the game of when they're healthy, let's see how they do. But again, until then, they have to keep their head above water to not fall too mm-hmm. far down the standings or it's going to be too little too late once they do get back. It's so weird. There's still a lot of games left. Right. But there's not a lot of games left. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think maybe maybe I'm too optimistic, but I think they'll figure it out, especially when they're able to keep guys healthy and I think that it's a pretty good sign that they went nearly a full quarter of the season without any significant injuries I mean yes uh, DeAndre Hunter missed a week but he he's back now obviously you want to see both John Collins uh, and uh, DeJounte Murray come back in that kind of minimum time that the Hawks uh, predicted So we should have a little bit of an idea of whether John Collins will be ready to come back at the end of this week. That would be about the two-week mark uh, since his injury, or sorry, uh, midweek, excuse me, midweek. Um, That would be about the two-week mark since his injury happened against the Magic a couple weeks ago. So, uh, and then, as you mentioned, DeJounte Murray, we still have about a week, week and a half until we figure out his status, but I will say it seemed a little bit of a good sign to see that DeJounte Murray was out of a boot. I mean, we saw him in a boot at the the Brooklyn game, kind of walking up the ramp. If you look on social media, whenever they do those pregame fit checks or whatever, we saw him in a boot. He wasn't wearing one on Sunday. Um, it seems like John was out of a boot and was kind of like sort of running around <laughs> after as the team tried to celebrate AJ Griffin's uh, game winner. So take from that what you will. 
I mean, it wasn't perfect running, but they were still running. <laughs> so that that to me tells that, uh, you know, at least the joint itself or the tendon is somewhat healed, even if it's not fully healed, that they they felt somewhat comfortable running on it or jogging or hobbling or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully maybe New Year's resolution is to get this team fully healthy um, in the next yeah. few weeks and mm-hmm. get them back on the same page and uh, get everyone better. So we'll be on uh, Can the Hawks Turn the Corner? Watch here at the Hawks Report. And with that, I'm Lauren Williams. And this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.